This is Make Yourself at Home, a podcast from BizNow where we talk about the pandemic, its impact and the recovery. I'm Miriam Hall. I'm BizNow's New York reporter. Today on the program is David Falk, the president of the New York Tri-State region for Newmark. He's talking here about the office market. The numbers aren't great. The quarter figures show that Manhattan's office availability is up 50% on this time last year. And David says that concessions have increased 30%. He talks about that in a minute. First, I asked him how he's handled the business in a work-from-home environment. We've had a lot of new relationships that have been created and started through virtual meetings. And that's what we did. So we, you know, we didn't sit still. It's kind of like we're at a very strange time in this pandemic. I was just reading today, you know, cases are very high, but there is still a real sense of optimism because the vaccine rollout is ramping up significantly. How is that kind of moment translating into the office market? I think people, decision makers through 2020, if you remember, they kept changing their targeting dates. And I think now that decision makers are seeing that people are getting vaccinated and they're feeling more optimistic. They want to start making decisions. So we are seeing most companies we're dealing with are saying and have been saying to their employees very recently, all right, we're gonna pick a date. Date could be Labor Day, it could be June 1st, July 1st, that we're gonna start going back to the office. Uh, you know, right now, I believe buildings today are probably 88% unoccupied. So what are you hearing in terms of people coming back? Last I heard was about 10% of the companies have returned and most companies have some, have, have no real plans to return till September, which is quite far away. I think, you know, we speak to all different types there. Most companies are making a plan now. It's, I would say the average company we're talking to is saying it's going to be, you know, sometime probably between you know, June 15th and Labor Day. Labor Day seems to be, for bigger companies, the easier thing to point to because you may say, do I really need to set this whole process up of bringing you back to the office if it's August? You know, maybe I'll just wait. So, you know, but I was with a law firm yesterday who said they're planning on getting everyone back June 1st. And this was a, you know, 50,000 foot law firm because those that are vaccinated, please come back. And most of their senior people are all vaccinated. In my opinion, the people have accepted that the five-day physical work week is unrealistic. We have all now learned to trust the, the work production from people if they're not in the office. My, my concern, though, and I've heard this from a lot of people, is it's human nature. If someone decides to work from home more than others, there will be situations that there'll be spur of the moment meetings. And maybe they're not, the people running into the conference room are not going to say, oh, let's get Lisa on the Zoom. You know, they're not trying to forget yeah. her, but they're just, you know. They'll say Lisa should be here is probably. Well, that, you know, so it's, you know, it's the acronym FOMO, fear of missing out. I think what will happen in certain industries when there's new business opportunities and people see the ones that were there, just, they were there. They were just like, you know, oh, we just got a phone call. Let's let's get together. Let's put together a deck. Let's let's go after this new piece of business. I think people may say, oh my God, you know, if I were in the office, I may have gotten it. So I think that will be part of this. I really do. It depends what kind of company you are. And do you really want to sit in a studio apartment 
all day long and then sit there and watch Netflix at night on that same couch and then go in the next morning. I mean, get, you know, I need, to, I need to interact with people. In the last week, we've seen multiple um, examples of companies just dumping space onto the sublease market. JP yeah. Morgan has put 700,000 square yeah. feet. I mean, that's, that's the size of a building. That is a huge amount of space. Yelp's done the same thing. Um, Salesforce has done the same thing. Uh, uh, Coopers. I mean, these are big, big name firms. They are not small companies. And th there's one thing, there's two issues with that. One is it's putting more, more space on the market, which is going to flood the market and bring the price down potentially. The other thing is it's symbolic. It's sending a signal to other companies is that we're doing this. You could potentially do this too. Also, you see the same thing, Citigroup three-day week going forward. That's all we'll be expecting from our employees. What do you think when you see headlines like that and you see stories like that? Um, you know, it's funny you say that. I, I was just looking at something. I get as many things as I get like that. Someone just sent me this. I haven't read it, so bear with me. Uh, Amazon, Amazon updates remote work guidance plans return to an office-centric culture as our baseline. So, you know, as many days as I hear that, then I hear... Uh, major financial firms or forward-thinking companies like Amazon, you know, make a proclamation about that. It's their culture. It's their environment. So you're right. Uh, these things are noteworthy. And yet, you you know, in two days from now, we're going to see the complete opposite headlines. I do see both. I think the sublease market, it's, there's no question, it is a tremendous factor in, in what we're dealing with. I'll give you some statistics that I think are interesting. So we started 2020 at 11 million feet. Uh, at previous cycles, like dot-com implosion and financial crisis, we doubled the amount of the sublease space. So in both of those previous times, we went from 8 million feet to 16 million feet in one year. In roughly one year, we're now at 24 million feet. So we've more than doubled. Wow. The highest amount. So, so to give you a sense, in the previous cycle, sublease as a percentage of inventory uh, nationally, I'm having, I saw something here, during the uh, dot-com implosion was 3.2% nationally was sublease space as a percentage of total inventory across the country. Um, in, in New York right now, sublease space is 4.7% of the total Inventory. We have 467 million square feet, so it's a, it's a, you know it's much higher than it was in previous times. But we have roughly 80 million feet available in for space in New York today. 29% of that is sublease space. So 15 months ago, it was roughly 15%. So meaning the amount of sublease space is more than doubled. And so what does that do? It creates an opportunistic environment for tenants that have requirements. It makes it more difficult for landlords because they then have to figure out what do they need to do to compete with this. And many of them are doing things like building space on spec, wiring it, furnishing it. Because what people have to realize, subleases, while they seem really appealing, they're not easy to do. Because you, know, you may say to me, I have a company and I want to find, I want to find a seven-year sublease. And I want it to be built with, you know, 10 offices. And I show you things that sound great on paper, but then you see it and it's a three-year sublease. You say, no, I want seven years. I go, but it's only three years. Here's another one. It's 11 years. I want seven years. And the, the layout's different. And you have no right to expand or to renew. And 
You're not sure if the sub-landlord has credit, if they're going to last, all these things. So what ends up happening with a lot of subleases, over, over, historically, if we have 24 million feet, and again, 24 million feet is roughly 22 million feet that's on the market, and we count about 2 million feet that we know is coming. So that's how we get this 24 million number. It's not that 24 million square feet will get subleased. What ends up happening on subleases is, just like Price Waterhouse Cooper, as you mentioned, they, they put two large blocks of space in the market. If you take one, they're going to take the other one off the market. So we, we, we do see that. Also, some of the subleases that are on the market are very short-term terms. So they'll never get leased. So they'll become direct space because no one's moving for two years. So, you know, sometimes it's always, the amount of space is a little, you know, it's not, it, it's a little unrealistic. People uh, who, have le- who have requirements are having a hard time figuring out how much space do I need? Because they haven't been back in the office yet. And so they haven't figured out, are we going to work different? Are we going to have more collaborative area? Uh, are we going to have hybrid workforce where they, you know, really share desks versus having your own space and how do we deal with that from a health and wellness standpoint i think that that's very true but i do think that there is something to fear from a landlord perspective don't you think there's definitely oh, well, of course there is there's a lot to fear because we now have 80 million square feet available so um you know i think a, a year ago we were at 15.6 percent availability and today i think we're almost about 18 and a half percent so there's record that's, record that's, high yeah so that's a fear the subly space complete fear because a tenant can look at that and if it works for them, lease it, you know, at uh, 75 cents on the dollar. So landlords have a fear to that. The other fears landlords have obviously are, you know, the change in this, you know, you used to have to, you used to have had to be in all these urban areas. It's just not New York. It's all urban areas, Chicago, the same thing, San Francisco. That's where the employees are. If your employer is saying to you, you can work remotely. Maybe you don't need to work in close proximity to a city. So that is, these are all factors. But I think that the, the answer is, this is all evolving. And, you know, people that, that you know, graduate college, they, they, they typically seem to want to go and be part of a, an exciting city because they, they're waiting to do that. That's the next step in their lives. And employers... You know, that's where the talent is. You look at companies like Google, Facebook, Amazon, uh, and you know, certainly many others are freshly just to get a large amount of space in the city. They're hiring because they believe the talent is here, the talent's gonna want to be here. And they're and they are leaders. Uh, so you know, you could you could point to different examples. Anyone could point to different examples where uh, a company is putting space in the market, and I could point to situations where there are companies that are uh, absorbing a lot of space and taking more space because they are planning on hiring. So is that how you're soothing landlords? Well, you know, I, I think with landlords, so it's really interesting. Um, depending, we, have, we, we handle things in all different parts of the city. I think what we're seeing now is what we said all along is clearly in 2020, people were, were not touring. Now they're starting to tour. Um, what we are seeing is we are telling landlords where you can uh, make, make that first impression as impressive as possible, add health and wellness, try to create outdoor space. 
we're saying build out space where you can. Tenants are gonna are gonna be are gonna ask the landlords and they're gonna demand it to make the process easier. We're telling landlords to create a great spec so the tenants can say, that's what I want, and I want you to do it for me. You know, landlords, unfortunately, one of the other issues that landlords are dealing with is they are, um, you know, right now the, the uh, concession packages are, are up dramatically. Tenants, <clears throat> if they're going to move, they're asking landlords to put in significantly more tenant approval allowances than they did a year ago. Yeah, I was going to say, what are you seeing there? Those must uh, be incredible. They're up 30%. Wow. So what is it, free rent, build out? Well, free rent and, and, and tenant approval allowance, they are. And, um, and that, you know, that really factors into the deal. So, um, you know, while um, in the, the tenants are, uh, if a tenant's going to, the reason why the concession packages are up is because landlords are trying to cut the downtime, which means the, 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 the time it takes to find a tenant. They want to cut that down as much as possible. So to ensure that if they have to pay a little more to get someone in, so be it. They know they're going to get rent sooner. Because don't forget, you can never make up the time it takes to, to wait for a new tenant. So if it takes you 18 months, 15 months, 12 months, that's lost opportunity. It's no yeah, income. A good deal is a quick deal, basically. That's right. And so I think you know, that's why you see that. It's because people, landlords want to get you know, someone coming in. Um, so we're seeing that the, I mean, the buildings that are most active today are the ones that are taking initiatives that are uh, first impression, uh, amenities, outdoor space, building space, uh, obviously taking all COVID initiatives, you know, hands-free technology, cleaning protocols, the best air, air filtration. Like they're trying to do everything they can to say, this is the building for you. Because there are a lot of choices and an employer wants to tell his employees, I made the right decision. Have you done many deals in in the pandemic? I know you've been touring a lot, and, and yeah, no, we uh, we actually have. We've done a combination of um, subleases and direct deals. We've leases out now, on probably uh, ten buildings, ten different deals, and um, um, yeah, I think most of them, though, most of I would say ninety uh, percent, they were all lease expiration driven. Uh, the other thing that's happening in the market is pre-pandemic, uh, which, which was surprising, but three straight years. About 70%, 7-0 of the amount of square footage leased in Manhattan was based on a relocation, 70%. Today, about 67% of all deals are done on renewals mm. because it makes the sense. You know, if, you know, if you are, uh, if, tenant, if, if a tenant likes their space, they're not sure, maybe it's best for the landlord and the tenant to do a short-term deal and we can all reevaluate where the world is. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's not a great time to be making sort of massive life-changing decisions when it comes from a company, right? Yeah, because you don't want to be second-guessed, you know. Um, but yet those that are, those that know what they are, it's a phenomenal time to really structure a great deal. Um, you know, you could get... From a tenant's uh, perspective, right? Tenant's perspective, yeah. yeah. <laughs> for a tenant's perspective, um, it could be a great time. And, you know, listen, from a landlord's perspective, um, uh, we listen, we are doing some deals now that, are really great for, for both sides. They're high rents, but you know, the concessions were a little more, but the rents are high. And the landlord really had very little downtime. So, you know, it's, I, I hate making a blanket statement on the whole market. I, I think the most difficult part of the market today is the buildings that haven't done what I just suggested, they haven't tried to improve them, and they're very average in every way. 
and they may have a low floor, making it up the third floor and the sixth floor available. So they're not contiguous. They're both dark, they're both raw space and the building is no story. That could sit for a very long time. Yeah, I was going to say, where would you least want to own a building right now? And where would you most want to be a tenant? <laughs> um, uh, You're thinking, I, how can I not offend anyone? <laughs> no, I don't really. The truth is Manhattan is the kind of place where I, I think it's more so I'd want to be in a building. Okay, I wouldn't want to own a building that has things I can't change. So buildings that are chock full of columns and low ceilings and a vintage that was an architectural period that wasn't that inspiring. Very tough. Mm. And that's just, you know, that's just where for a tenant standpoint, really, I think it's a great time to be a tenant. They could, they could certainly, you know, find what they need in the market. Great to be, time to be a tenant anywhere in New York right now, it sounds like. Yeah, no, any, and probably any city, you know, it's not, it's not really so much about New York. I think anywhere, it's a great time to be a tenant. You know, the landlords that are, are leasing are the ones that are really putting out uh, an offering that's enticing. And, uh, you know, we had, listen, we had one building in Midtown. We had five tours last week. So, you know, that's a tour, lot. Tour, anyone can tour. Signing deals, that matters. No, right? but these are, all, these are all tenants that we know are actually. Yeah. Well, one of the things about our business today, anyone over, let's say, 10,000 feet, we know exactly what their situation is. We know who they are what they are, what it is, no one's going, you know, that's not the, how it is. So, um, you know, it's a, uh, yeah, no, it, uh, I think the key to the whole thing though, for New York, so we have to get the streetscape back. Because- the hustle, if, the bustle, the fun. Yeah, because yeah. If, if, if all of a sudden the, the restaurants, you know, are getting their vibe back and, and, you know, and people see it, people want to come back to that. And then it's easier for the employer to say, Oh my God, you know, you know, it's, it's great yeah. versus, versus coming back and you're on a side street and it's desolate. I can go right now and I can go to West village and I could be the most thriving. Uh, I did it two nights ago. Every outdoor cafe was packed. So midtown right now. Yes. It's not as, it's not as populated as it was, but let's not, let's not say that that's about, I'm going to a restaurant. I'm going to offer tonight on 60th street. Oh yeah. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, people, I had lunch today indoors with two people that would, had been vaccinated twice and they said to me, oh, they're, they're comfortable uh, sitting inside. I said, so, so am I. And we, and we did it. And, um, and I think it's, you just keep moving forward on this. Before you know it, we're going to be going to weddings and we're going to be going to a ball game and it just, we have to get used to it. I'll believe it when I'm sitting in that theater. I can see it from my, my window of my apartment. You know, it's interesting how the city's back on. The city's back on as far as... No, I'm you're right. Because I, I, I remember saying early on in the pandemic, I said, if you believe that Broadway will come back, if you believe that, which I, I think I, I certainly... How can do, it not? That's my point, right? I'm like, I'm asking a question. I think the answer is all these theaters are here. Right, they're all in an epicenter. No city has the theaters that we do, and this is this is the epicenter of of where you know talent is for theatrical. If you believe it's coming back, then the theaters are going to be occupied. Then people are going to want to see what's in the theaters. The the tourists are going to want to come and see this, and Restaurant Row and Ninth Avenue, all that, will see the benefit of this. Like you know, like as you said, how could it not? Um, is theater is theater not coming back? I mean. 
Now, Why? you know, the only, my only question on the theaters is, you know, certainly in the short term, because if you remember, Broadway shows that the, the seats are on top of each other. Oh, yeah, I know. I, <laughs> Crazy. You know, like there an, may have to be an adjustment like in a, that. It's like a economy class flight, you know. Exactly. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe, the first, maybe the first six months, there's, you know, seating is spaced out, whatever, you know, whatever. I mean, I think these are all I'm saying. I think we're all going to take these steps to get back to some normalcy. I heard yesterday that Roger Goodell for the National Football League expects stadiums to be filled up in September. So think about that. That means there's 80,000 people at a football game. So that's only in September. Now, I'm not saying that is or isn't going to happen, but the point is, you know, if those things do happen, then it makes the things that we're talking about, about restaurants, Broadway shows, you know, all the things, restaurants, it means that we're chipping away and getting more used to being in a stadium of 80,000 people. How great would it be if, if, if in, in September 80,000 people are, are at a game and feeling comfortable? Maybe there's, you have to be double vaccinated. I don't know, we have to have a, a COVID test. We'll, you know, we'll see what the rules are. Um, right. I and, enjoy dinner. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah. I, I, I've been seeing you, stay safe, and look forward to seeing you in person.